someplace. Well, go ahead, fools. Go to the Emerald City. Warn the Scarecrow. A lot of good it'll do when my green elephants come crashing through the gates. <laughs> Did you hear that? What'll we do? Whenever the issue's in doubt, the optimist in me comes out. Whenever the future will not point the way to me, I gulp the slightest gulp. And I say to me, I tell me, don't be preoccupied with things on the gloomy side. Your troubles are mostly magnified. All your foolish fears will come to naught if you'll only keep thought. The point is don't be a worry bird. To worry is so absurd. There's nothing's as bad as what you've heard. There is no way you can be distraught. If you'll only keep happy thought. Think of sunshine shining up ahead. Think of every happy ending that you've ever been. And you will do what point of view. Smile and show your dimple life is kind of simple once you really have been taught to keep a happy thought. Hey everyone, welcome to the Royal Podcast of Oz. This month we're doing a very unusual podcast for us. Uh, Sam and Jay, one-on-one. I had a guest lined up for an interview, and we had a guest voice lined up to do a Movies of Oz podcast with. I don't, uh, You might be able to guess who that is, but we won't say, because um, he kind of got sick, and, well, we had to delay it. And instead of trying to do another one, we decided, let's do something different, because we're halfway through the month, and we don't have anything recorded yet. But he's getting better. Our friend's getting better, so... Hopefully soon, in the next few days or week, we'll be starting a new podcast. But yes, this podcast right here, this new Skyping session, this is just to prevent boredom. So yeah, Jared came up with the idea about us interviewing each other. I call it one-on-one. So if you'll allow me to start, Jared, can you remember your earliest um, exposure or association with Oz? I can. Um, I wrote about this in the Bomb Bugle not too long ago. Um, the Wizard of Oz came on TV. This must have been about 1992. And I would have been six years old at the oldest. Yeah, I think it was in the fall, so I would have been six. Um, and she told me uh, that she said I'd like it. Well, she was right. What she did not know was that I'd become obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> the MGM movies are, it's a good starting place because it puts a lot of great energy and stuff in Oz it makes Oz very look very lively and everything and you realize when you read the books eventually that yes it is it's just in a kind of different way <laughs> mm. so you know that's through classic 30s vaudeville and musicals and all that but you know 
Um, later, I found a copy of the Grosset and Dumlap Everyman's Library Edition, and it had the illustrations by Evelyn Copeman, which, you know, um, they say they're by W. Dinsa, but even she was like, yeah, they told me to just base them on the movie. Yeah. So, um, you know, I got that, and then I remember one day, uh, um, one time they asked me if I wanted to check out a library a movie out from the library, and I said The Wizard of Oz, and we did that, and we um, got home with it, and it was not The Wizard of Oz, but installing kitchen ca- cabinets. Not The Wizard of Oz, but kitchen cabinets? Yes, um, which, uh, that's a how-to video, not uh, epic fantasy movie. How did that happen? Did they mix up the covers? I don't know. It it was in a plane case, I remember. So, you know, if they put it in a different thing, so they it's like they gave us the completely wrong tape entirely. Hmm. So later we um got it, and while we were watching it, our VCR broke. Oh, dear. I was like, I wanted to watch that. And then I found the book, and I was like... You know what? I should read the book. And I read the book. For the first time? For the first time. Because and... so before you were only looking at Evelyn's illustrations. Of course. I okay. mean, there was a. There was. I mean, because, you know, of course you look through it and there's some things not from the movie in there and you're like, oh, what's this? So, you know, interest was peaked and I read it. And, you know, I found out it was a different thing from the movie, and I loved it. I, you know, um, there's fans who say, hey, that they, you know, love the book and absolutely hate the movie. And I'm like, I've, I can never really be one of those fans because <laughs> there's things to like about both. They're not mutually exclusive. Mm. So, um, you know, and then later I went to the library and... Uh, I, on a whim, asked to look to see if there was, by any chance, more Oz books. There were. So, yeah. Um, you know, I'd like to say that my association with Oz would have been a very lifelong thing, but it was interrupted for a few years, where, um, due to my mom, she didn't think I should be into Oz and discarded my entire collection of uh, paperback books and my dad's old copy of the book, the first book and some old comics and some Return to Oz picture books. Why, Bob? Why? <laughs> and didn't you say one time that in one or two of those books which had no illustrations, you did your own pictures to the yes. story? Um, they were These were these little paperback books from Walmart, published by Airy, they had these interesting cover paintings. And you have no idea who the, they were by? They said on the uh, inside, but I can't remember the name of the artist. Um, some of them were pretty whimsical, but some of them... Okay, I'll just say this. On all of them where you saw Dorothy, she just looked ugly. Mm. So, um, you know... Um, I think probably my favorite one was the one for the Land of Oz, where you see the Scarecrow and Tin Man holding a few mice, and there's Ginger on her throne jumping up. 
But um, yeah, but yeah, I, I sketched my little pictures and them. They weren't any good, you know. For you know, I did this thing where I when I I draw, you know, if you saw the cow down on Hunger Tiger from the front. You'd have, I'd draw their front legs, their head, their main, the outline of their body, and then a flat line between them. So they had no gut on them oh. whatsoever. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that I was a, a particularly good artist, but, you know, I was like no older than nine, so... Yeah. Um. Sometime later, I saw the movie again and was like, you know, what was wrong with us? So I decided to get back into it and I read the books again. And this time, I saw the original illustrations. So that made me appreciate the original pictures a lot more. So you know, when I was a kid, I would draw the Oz characters and Dorothy, the Scarecrow, Tin Man, and Lion would all look like their MGM counterparts, but nowadays I tend to think of them as more like um, John O'Neill or Eric Shanower or, you know, that general design form. Mm-hmm. The more, um, less copyrighted look. And I guess that's a good thing, so, and then I discovered that this thing called the internet was a thing, and I got on there, found other fans, eventually thought, you know what, I could build my own website. And I did. My first website was a little web page I host on this free page hosting thing where you'd, all you'd host was a page, but I could sign up for it, but I could, you know, with multiple emails, you could sign up for more than one, so i do that, link them together. <laughs> um, and then eventually I built a website from scratch with the HTML, so you know, I learned HTML because of us. And then um I so I wrote up the stuff on there and I decided one time that I would write instead of just listing the Oz movies that had come out, I would write my own little opinions of each one. I wrote this called the Wogglebugs Review because I decided the Wogglebug is probably very opinionated. And then, you know, um, sometime after that, I got an email from this guy who says, oh, I like this part of your website. And um, his name was Sam Alazo. You know this guy? Well, I won't say he's a twin of mine, but I pretty much know him quite well. You're familiar with him. <laughs> so let's flip that around. What was your earliest exp- exposure to eyes? Well, I do remember watching all these different versions when I was little, like whether it was like six months and I vaguely saw Return to Oz on TV or the 1982 Toho anime, um, the 1987 anime series, which became the four videos, and of course the Wizard of Oz MGM film. Uh, I saw a lot at a young age. I... One of my earliest exposures in book was in one of my first primary schools, Daisyville. I saw a Ladybird Wizard of Oz book where in that version, Dorothy had a big house. She had blonde hair. Her Kansas shoes were red, but her Magic Oz ones were black and shiny. And the Good Witches were all pilgrims or Amish-like. Um, that one was illustrated by, oh, let me, t- 
let's see, who is it? I know. Oh, it's such a simple name. I know I have it. It is. Uh, let's see. There was another illustrator that actually did another. Well, there were. <clears throat> so, pardon me. I saw quite a few Lady Bird Wizard of Oz books. Some are that one I just described, and. Uh, oh, illustrated by Brian Price Thomas. Oh, yeah, that's an easy name to remember. Brian Price Thomas. And there was another one who did illustrations just like Denslow. He was Angus McBride. But um, in Daisyville, that's also where I saw The Wiz. And when I think about it, I can still remember vaguely the scenes I recall incorrectly, I suppose. You know, like, there's how you see the film, and then there's how you remember it from years ago. And it's a little bit inaccurate. But I still remember those scenes, like Dorothy going into the kitchen, chasing, running out of the storm to get, Toto! Toto! Getting caught in the snow twister, Glinda, who I thought looked like um, Whitney Houston, but she doesn't look, but when you see the film, she doesn't look like that at all. Uh, you know, how the crows were different to the film, and yeah, like bits and pieces, so, and, uh, yeah, I saw The Wiz, but I remember vaguely us having Return to Wars videotaped, you know, like when it was a TV movie, I think after the same time we had the Elf and the Chipmunks animated movie, when they were in that balloon, um, in our, in my next primary school, Our Lady of the Rosary, there were the Return to Oz books, like the um, Puffin books that had no illustrations, but the Return to Oz covers. So that would have been my first introduction to books like The Patrick Girl of Oz, Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz, but there were no pictures in that one. And even though I read the chapter list, I did not really read the book until years later. They had the Golden Books, Dorothy Returns to Oz and Dorothy in the Ornament Rooms, and that tall red storybook by Hippo that has a lot of pictures from the book, but excludes the old Kansas house in Oz, you know, just before the Yellow Brick Road. Um, yeah, I mean, I also saw the Journey Back to Oz movie on video, and, oh, gee, what else? I... I saw The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, The Marvelous Land of Oz, and The Emerald City of Oz on video. I did not see Ozma of Oz until DVD, uh, and we all know how that one was like. Ooh. Oh, let's see. What else? What else did I see? Um, when I, I went, my high school was Weebly College, so we did not have any Oz books then. But I had the Chronicles of Narnia, so that was just as good. Um, I did go to, I did take um, film less, like filmmaking lessons, among them in sitting film school, and it was during that time that I found two sort of paperback or slipcase like DVDs for the silent films, His Majesty the Scarecrow of Oz and the 1925 Wizard of Oz 
Larry Seaman film. And surprise, I kind of do like that one. I'm not saying I love it. I'm not saying it's great. But there are moments of it I like. But I do see what's wrong with it. So I like it, but I know it's also bad. Um, hmm. Oh, gee. My first big Oz book was The Annotated Wizard of Oz. That was the first time I saw, read... Oh, no. In Waverly College... Uh, no, no. In Our Lady of the Rosary, actually, you know, with the Return to Wars books and all that. That was also the place I had my first reading of the Wizard of Oz novel. It was illustrated by Paul Granger. The cover did not match, but it had some nice illustrations. And um, I had recently seen the Wizard of Oz animated series. So at that time when I was reading that particular book... I sometimes still imagine Dorothy, I sometimes colored her as a blonde with red shoes, but I was eventually trans, um, converted to brown hair, you know, because of the farm, and silver shoes. But I, as I was saying, I had just seen the Wizard of Oz animated series. So when I got to the Jainty China Country chapter, I imagined the China Milkmaid as um, the Tin Man's girlfriend from that cartoon. Hmm. Yeah, so that was an interesting thing. So, um, yeah, I... The Annotated Wizard of Oz, for me, was a really good introduction. It was the first book that showed me all of the Denslow illustrations with Elfingbaum's original novel with notes, which was interesting. It was a first glimpse into the life of Elfingbaum, and it also mentioned all the films that I had seen, like Return to Wars and The Wiz, and ones I would later see, like The Wonderful Land of Oz, and all of these other things that I would read or later see in the coming years. So The Annotated Wizard of Oz was such a good book as an introduction to me. The first time I read the original six Elfink Bomb books, was kind of out of sequence. Aside from the wonderful Wizard of Oz book, um, I found the original editions of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz and the Road to Oz with their John Neal illustrations at a library we usually go to. But that was before I'd actually seen Osmo of Oz and the Marvelous Land of Oz. So I read those books out of sequence, but it was still a good introduction. I mean, that's the kind of thing that happened. I would get the later stories before the original ones. Throughout the years, I eventually got the DVDs, like Return to Wars, The Wizard of Oz, The Wiz, the animes, um, the silent films. I did a lot. Um, and my collection has grown in books, in videos in uh, I have very few collectibles I have the puzzle by Scott Gustafson the MGM Wizard of Oz snow globes that has it's a big one you know with the Emerald City the Wicked Witch one small 
Bubble and Dorothy and her friends in a bigger one along the Yellow Brick Road. The Wizard of Oz on Ice Basket. Um, a few things. And I also did my own projects that were also related throughout the years. Like, I was do I It's on hold at the moment, but I've been doing this Wizard of Oz scrapbook sort of project where... I photocopy illustrations from all these different artists, whether it's like um, different editions of The Wizard of Oz or graphic novels or comics and all that. I color them in and sort of retell the story, the entire story, with pictures. So that's a project I'd like to get back into someday. I have done lots of video editing on YouTube like retelling the Wizard of Oz story by characters. And that one has been on hold as well because um, in 2013, like October, I started having computer problems. So I was working with Final Cut Pro at the time, so I had computer problems and I had a fake friend who put me in a bad financial situation which was partly my own stupidity my own bad decisions so um i've been unable to do editing for a while but i hope to get back into that soon i do plan to get back into the editing and resume the videos so so the next video also later video i need to do is with the poppies and maybe the field mice uh the scrapbooks the editing and I was even writing my own stories. Uh, I mean, I had a lot of energy when I was younger. I was doing f stories for Digimon, which I've decided, which I've recently stopped because I'm not involved with Disney or Digimon. I was planning my own Oz books, stories, and I was even doing my own fantasy novels that's very, very influenced by Oz. I mean, the 1900 Elfin Bond book, the a bit of the MGM film, the 1987 anime, and a bit of Return to Wars with a bit of the never-ending story and a bit of Hercules mixed in. So I'm trying to make it a little bit more original and more of its own thing. I mean, when I told my little sister about it, she thought, she said to me, you should call it a sequel to Oz because it actually did have a scarecrow and a tin man, and a lion-type character, and my character was from a farm in America, but I'm making, but like I said, I've been thinking really about making it more original. And last but not least, I've been wanting to make my own scripts to be turned into films that faithfully tell Elfin Bomb's first six or seven novels, as well as maybe a remake of MGM, and my own version of The Wiz. And hopefully someday a movie that's based on the 1902 Broadway musical extravaganza. So I'm a very passionate Oz fan. Very and I've also, so. And I've done a little bit of illustration. So Oz has been keeping me busy now and then. And you've been doing your own scripts too, even. I did. I I had a thought where you know I I initially thought about doing 
Oz stories as radio plays. I wrote my own script for those, and um, I have to say that looking back at them, they're probably not that good. But you know, I, sometimes you you have to power through uh, ones that aren't that good to get to a place where you are writing stuff that's good. So. You know, it, 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 it just because something didn't turn out good does not exactly mean it was a waste of time. No. However, you know, you have to be in a point where you're at least willing to admit that this was a learning curve, not, you know, it's not like, oh, well, I'm the best. How could you not like it? Because that's not the mm. way to be. Yeah. So. And you're talking about the video plays, right? Yeah, um, eventually I th- thought to move that to screenplay, even though, let's face it, I don't really have a lot of connections to get those out there, so. Well, yeah, I I adapted the first three books entirely, and I g- got stuck somewhere in Dorothy and the Wizard and Eyes. Mm. So I don't, I think I was heading up Pyramid Mountain, and, uh, uh, well, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Maybe someday, you know, you keep working on your dreams. Someday they come true. Mm-hmm. I actually did write a full script of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And since then, I've developed a lot more details, shall we say. Uh, you know, like more homages or references to previous versions outside of MGM. Um, more character bits. Um, I think one thing of particular interest is remove replacing the field mice with getting the lion out of the poppy field much quicker. I mean, I do still plan to have the field mice in Oz, but it could be like in the West after the witches melted or in the marvelous land of Oz. I haven't written any of the later books, but I do plan to do that soon. I just need the right script writing software and the time to do it. Well, you know, it it can happen. (laughs) So, what kind of Oz fan are you? Are you like a purist, um, a multi-ethnic Oz fan who likes different versions, or... What sort of Oz fan do you consider yourself? Um, I've taken to call myself Omni-Ozologist, which is basically a fan who can appreciate different versions of Oz for what they are. You know, you might... It's not saying that you love all of them. It's just that, you know, you can appreciate what they are. You can say, well... You know, the the 1976 Australian movie, that that is its own thing. It is mm. 100% not by Oz, but it's its own thing. I was going to consider myself an Oz purist, but because I do love the, I do prefer the original Oz books by Elfin Baum. Uh, I do like the other versions of Oz, but I think you've got a better title, the Omni, what is it again? Ozologist. Omni-Ozologist, yeah. That's pretty good. Um, yes, I do like many versions of Oz. I mean, the I do like Tin Man, the animes. I 
do like the silent films, yes, but there are some versions I don't like. Uh, there's the 1969 Wonderful Land of Oz kiddies or mat- cheap martini version. Matinee. 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 Um, and then, of course, I... I gather you're not the biggest fan of um, Wicked. <laughs> no, I'm not. And I suppose I really should explain that. Um, when in the very early days, like, I mean, believe it or not, there actually is a Wicked before Gregory Maguire, like a children's book series about this boy and or this girl trying to avoid this apple man. Like this bad man who has an apple core for a head. And there was actually a cartoon of that. But um, Wicked by Gregory Maguire, I find a disservice to Oz. I read the first book. I did not like it. I saw the musical with Mom. We both enjoyed it, yes. I do find it more family-friendlier than the book. But I don't like the ending. And it's just... A uh, way to, you know, it makes more of an effort to be with MGM than the books. It does mention characters from the books and does mix in elements from the series, but I don't like it because I find that the naming the Wicked Witch of the Nest of the the naming the Witch of the West Alpha Bar after LFB from Lyman Frank Baum, I find that rather insulting. And just, to me, Glinda is a very tall, beautiful, wise woman who dresses in white, is, is sort of like a queen. She has red hair, blue eyes, and is not some short, blonde woman in, who dresses in pink or yellow and talks like Karen Walker from Will and Grace. Oh my gosh, I never realized that. <laughs> She does sound like Karen Walker. With a helium voice! Oh. I mean, even Billy Bugs Glinda in MGM film, I mean, the dress is... I don't like quite like it now, but at least even she had red hair, not blonde, red. Hmm. Yeah. But continuing on from Wicked, um, I really don't like its influences. I mean, Disney keeps trying to push for some attempt to make a wicked animated movie or something to do with it, and I don't like it. I don't like what they did with Once Upon a Time, like trying to... I hope we someday have a podcast episode for Once Upon a Time in Oz, because we have some things to say about that, because it's not a movie, but it is an adaptation of Oz of sorts. Ooh, I better warn you that they are talking about doing another story, our storyline in the second half of this current season, so there might be more to talk about when it comes to that. I have not seen Once Upon a Time since um, that half of season three or four, was it, when Zelina came? Yeah, that was season was three. Season three, yeah. I have not seen Once Upon a Time since three with that Snow Queen-like cliffhanger sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I really don't like Wicked. I mean, I don't have a problem with Greg Maguire. 
I don't mind that he has a husband. It's nice that he has five or six adopted children. That's good. But I don't like how he's written Oz. It's nothing against him. He, uh, you just don't like his Oz, uh, Oz story. Correct. You just uh, don't like, like his interpretation of Oz here. Mm. So there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Because he's turned the Wicked Witch of the West from an ugly old woman who wants power to this misunderstood woman who's not that ugly, not that pretty, but just green-skinned. And that is so MGM. I don't like the influence of Wicked on Frozen. I hate... I did not like Frozen because... Uh, for several reasons. Because I did not find the CG animation that impressive. The heads were big. The eyes were huge. The waists were tiny. And that's pretty much any animated movie these days. <laughs> Maybe these days, yeah, but these ones had really big heads and huge eyes. Not like before, but um, I was told, or I overheard from some making of feature, that in musicals you have to s tread softly into the song, like transition gently from speech to song. But in Frozen they jump into the song straight away, and I don't like that. I don't like Anna. She's annoying. It's her fault well... this whole thing happened. I think there's different ways of doing musical. You have you have to figure out how you're going to do the songs. It's like there's musicals where almost like Hamilton or Rent where almost the entire musical is sung and there's barely any non-sung dialogue. And then there's some musicals where there's uh, where songs highlight the story. Mm. So there's different ways. But I really don't like Wicked, like its influences, how it's written. I mean, sure, the musical is good, but I don't think it's that great. I just, you know, just trying to, well, I, uh, oh, you know, like I was thinking about how to say about Wicked and before the podcast, and now I can, I barely know where to start or what to say or how to clarify Okay, well, you know what? If you don't want to go there, we don't have to. Well, or sure I could give my own interpretation of Wicked. All right, we may flip it over. You may talk about your Wicked. All right, you know, I, you know, I will say that's not my preferred version of Eyes. This isn't one I particularly enjoy going into a lot, but... Um, the books or musical. Well, I guess really both. I mean, I did get to a little point way back when where I listened to the music quite a bit, but I don't know. I mean, I recently actually finally saw the musical live. And I was just, you know, by that time, I had already become so familiar with it. I was just like, that's, that's it on stage. I'm seeing it finally. Rather than oh my gosh, I'm being funny. He 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 seen the 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 show. So, um, but yeah, um, my own interpretation of the book was that it wasn't supposed to be a proper prequel or retelling of the Oz story that could accompany either the book or the movie. It was very, you know, it says towards the end, it depends on what needs to be told at what certain time, how, how certain stories are told. Oh, hold it. And I can kind of see that where 
We have MGM's splendid Technicolor version of Oz that revels in music and color, and we have L. Frank Baum's Oz that revels in fantasy and adventure, and then we have Wicked where everything is terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Because it, there's a lack of magic in the books of Wicked. And that's really what what makes it uh, makes a very different Oz, and that I think is kind of the point where, you know that, and you know I noticed when I was watching the musical that yeah it's in the musical too that magic isn't a big thing, you know people there are people who know how to do magic but not very many. Mm-hmm. In fact, Glinda doesn't even do music, uh, magic once, and it's pretty much suggested that she doesn't really know how. She might be able to learn, but she doesn't know how to do it. She has a wand, but she doesn't actually use it except wave or whatever. It's more decoration. And they use Oz, but it's not really Oz-y. And I, I, of course, now have my own interpretations of the Wicked Witch of the West, the Wizard, and... They do not match with their, with very many different versions at all. So I'm like, I can see what they're doing, but it's not my eyes. So, you know, I I respect them for trying to be creative, but you know, on the other hand, it isn't so much that what they did so much as the fans of Wicked that annoying where it's like, oh yeah, so this is all canon to the movie, and I'm like, no, no, it's not. No. <laughs> As, uh, there's a few, there's a few ones who are like, I know everything about Oz, and yeah, 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 it is. They, 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 and one of them even tried to claim that the producers of Wicked had gotten creative approval from the makers of the Image movie. I'm like, you're flat really? out lying. They were dead by then. <laughs> Ma, she's dead. It's like it's more. You might as well say that because some of the cast of the MGM movie enjoyed the uh, the Wiz musical that they could that the Wiz musical is the is the, the the actual successor to the MGM movie when you know no the MGM movie still lives on very much as its own thing. So you know there's all these different takes on Oz and there's so many to enjoy, but the thing is is that they're all really separate. So. You really have to learn. It's one of those things where you have to learn how to enjoy certain things on their own and not try to cross them together. Yeah. But yeah. So speaking of our eyes creations, we of course know that we did videos. I you know I did a the, I tr- I did music videos and I tried to do this documentary series called The Wonders of Oz that we never got the final episode made. I'll say oh, that yeah. and. It's something I'd like to do, but you know, now that we've taken time off, maybe we can do it outside of the context of out of the Wonders of Oz and make it its own thing. Mm. Make it even better. So, who knows? Um, and of course, you know, we uh, later started doing a podcast. I wonder where you can hear that. Right here, folks. Right here. But, you know, then in about 2009, I wrote a few fan fictions for a TV show I was into. And I thought, you know what? I'm writing these. I'm keeping in character pretty well. 
I've been a fan of Oz for longer. Why don't I try that? And I started writing a little story called The Borderlands of Oz where um, Button Bright and the Wizard would find themselves suddenly transported to the Kingdom of Scaliao and then meet the characters in Magical Monica Mo. And I had the story about Ozma going off on an, an adventure and meeting this weird farmer. And then I started working with someone on it and I tossed the whole story out eventually and started over from scratch and told two stories in tandem. Totally redid what Ozma was doing. And that eventually turned into this book titled Outsiders from Oz. And I happened to approach you and said, would you like to illustrate this book? And I did a little. You... But it was mostly Sean Aldonado's illustrations that are throughout the story. Yeah, I... Yeah, you turned it down because you thought maybe you weren't quite at that point yet, but um, I got Sean Maldonado to do it because he offered to do it, and, well, we didn't just, I didn't just be like, oh, great, someone's illustrating my book for free, um, but on the other hand, I'm not exactly rolling in dough, so I set up a revenue split for it, which is more for the listener's information, because you, of course, get your little payments every now and then. So every time someone buys a book, you get paid. Hey, John gets paid. I get paid. So, yay! <sighs> but I would like to someday illustrate the whole book again someday. Ooh, like sort of a little bit along the lines of John Neal, perhaps you know, with shading and you know all that sort of thing. So I would like to try that. I would like to do more. Oz illustrations for stories, whether they're for friends, Ozianas, or books. Yeah. And then... Um, In fact, this year, I really should write my own Oz short story for the Oziana and illustrate it. Yeah. And speaking of that, um, while I was writing it, you know, Marcus Meebs, who was given Oziana because it was, he pretty much had an idea to keep it going for the club... You know, and Ozzie, if you're not familiar with it, it's... If you've heard of the International Wizard of Oz Club, if you are a member, you get two types of magazines throughout the year. Three issues of the Bomb Eagle. They are interviews, reviews, uh, news updates, a little bit of a crossword puzzle, and, tons you of, know, facts and all of that. Tons of articles about stuff. And Oziana is more like fun, you know, stories, pictures, poems, rhymes. Now, um, I should note that they, you only get Oziana as part of your membership if you sign up for one of the much higher priced memberships. But, you know, then you get a very special, what they do now is it's Marcus behind binding a very special edition of it. So, um, yeah. But, um, yeah, he took that over while I was writing the book, and he saw that I was writing a book, and I actually had him look over some of the early chapters, and he liked it. And he was putting together his first issue, and he's like, do you want to write a story? And we came up with one, and I wrote it pretty quickly. And it was this little story about um, King Bud of Nolan going to Queen Zixie Rix's birthday party, meeting Jinnicky the Red Jinn and Prince Bobo of Bubbleland. And it came out pretty nicely, I thought. And then, you know, Marcus uh, grabbed the idea and uh, took with his own story and spun it off into a whole trilogy of books that I have 
author credit on. And then I thought, you know what? I, I've had this little story about uh, the Calder line I thought of for backstory for a movie for a while. And then I decided to write, write that as a short story. And this time I, and, and you know, by this time you'd already done your decoration work for Outsiders. And I was like, well, Stan, you want to try this one? Yes, I illustrated that one. And I must say, this is my the first time I illustrated a story that has no humans in the main title. No Dorothy, Scarecrow, Tim Woodman, or Glinda. I mean, those the first three are at the end, but it's mostly lions and beasts, birds, and nature throughout the story. So I had to make sure I did it right. So I think I did okay. I mean, I'd like to do more illustrations of it someday, but I, I'm glad that that story came along because I was able to draw the Fairy Queen Lurlin. Because from a young age, I got the Dover edition of Queen Zixi of X, or the story of the Magic Cloak, and like many people at that young age, I thought that Queen Lulia was the fairy queen Lulin, like they were the same person. But, you know, as you grow up and you grow more mature, you kind of put that aside and think, well, maybe they're not the same person, but I can still use the look. So that's how I came up with the look for the fairy queen Lulin. I used Queen Queen Lulia from Queen Sixty as the fairy queen, and I like it. The only problem I have with that picture, though, is that my big sister needed me to take her cat to the vet for a limp. So I was unable to devote an extra half hour to all these extra stars that she was sprinkling about to enchant the Land of Oz. So I like that picture very much, but it's just a bit less than I was expecting. Thank you very much, big sister. Mm -hmm. But I hope to redo that someday. Yeah, that's one of the things about me. Like, I've always been fascinated with the early days and history of Oz before Dorothy and even the Wizard. Like, how the witches came to rule each part of Oz. How um, Lurlin, as I pronounce her, enchanted the land of Oz. You know, all that sort of thing. I don't think they really needed to be a massive, big, strange prequel with, like, the lion or how uh, or prophecies or anything of that sort of thing. But, you know, some things more than others. All right. Um, Yeah, I don't really like the idea of trying to make an overcomplicated Oz prequel because here's why I view things. Things in Oz just happen. There's no prophecies. There's no chosen ones. There's no great foretold messiah character who's going to come and that's perfectly okay you know it's you know people say Oz spun off Star Wars but you know there's not really like the great guy who's going to bring back the Jedi in Oz Mm. and instead you know you have things and they happen and Sometimes those things lead to smaller things, like 
You have the first book, Dorothy goes on an adventure. Actually, winds up setting up the Scarecrow as the new king. And Freeing half the land of Oz from wicked witches, which you know causes uh, a power change in the Emerald City. The for the better. For the better, yes. And then Tip has to flee Mombi and goes to the Emerald City. And because the Scarecrow is there, he's able to approach the Scarecrow. And they go to the Tin Woodman who's there because of Dorothy's thing. And they know Glinda and they eventually go to her. And because of Dorothy's adventure. And eventually Ozma's restored. But it was not because of a prophecy. It was because someone... Uh, it was just because something happened. A chain of events. Yes. A ripple of reactions. One thing leads to another. Simple as that. I suppose while we're finishing up on this sort of thing, like not the overall podcast, but just the overall themes of Oz, um, I do I do like Tin Man. I, I had very much fun with that. I'm not into the whole dark aspect of comics. I don't, I mean, I mean of Oz. I don't like the comics by Bill Bryan or whatever the name was that named it Oz, Dark Oz, Land of Oz. I don't like those adult, dark, violent, cursive comics. I don't like, as you know, Wicked. I did not like the rather cheap Land of Oz film. Um, I like The Wiz. I do enjoy that, even the film. I did not... Um, like the 1976 Australian rock and roll movie. That's shameful. That's all I can say. That's the only word that comes to mind. Disrespectful. Um, I don't mind some drama in Oz. I'm always willing to try different versions of Oz in films or books, but some... There are a few versions I don't like. So, as we said in the earlier podcast, there was this 1990s half-hour video. It was faithful to the book, but it had a Judy Garland-like Dorothy, a very ugly Dorothy, Korean animated. I can't stand Korean animation. So, as we said in that podcast, I'm kind of back and forth with that. I like it, but I also don't like certain aspects of it. So I suppose this is our next part of the podcast. When it comes to Oz, what do you take seriously? Like, is it the look of a character? Is it the story or the tone? I think we have to say the tone because you can be a little flexible with the story, especially when you're retelling it. Because, um, you know, sometimes... Well, especially if we're adapting for different media, I don't really get abridgments of the Oz books because they're already written for kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I might get, if you like, were to a picture book for kids who might not want to pick up a chapter book right away, but I don't get changing oh, yeah. the story for that because it's still the same format. You're still reading the story. But, um, um, but if you're adapting it to any other dramatic format like stage, film, TV, Maybe even comics, if you're willing to go a little, uh, or, or crazy with that, like you know, Oz the manga did. 
then you know you can be a little flexible there, but we, you know you have to get the characters right. You have to get the tone right because you know if you get those right, people can still recognize this as the same Oz they've always loved. If those mm-hmm. aren't right, people are looking at imposters. You can say, you're like, this is not, uh, these are not my favorite characters. They're claiming to be them. They are described like them, but they are not these characters. Precisely, yeah. I mean, I kind of do veer more towards the, how the characters look. I like my Glinda to be tall, white-dressed, red-haired, blue-eyed sort of person with a, you know, with a good womanly voice, not high-pitched, not <laughs> ugh, not um, patronizing even, but, you know, just like Athena, sort of. I like my Dorothy to be real American and farm-like as opposed to like a pretty Alice sort of thing because Alice and Dorothy are not the same person. You need to keep them separate. Um, but I also take the Scarecrow seriously because he's not a guy in a Scarecrow suit with straw. He's a Scarecrow. He doesn't have bones or structure, so I take him seriously. And the Tin Woodman, I'm still working on. He's a bit of a tricky character to portray correctly sometimes. Like, sometimes you can give him a big tin circular can for chest and skinny limbs for arms and legs. Sometimes you can make him look like a cyborg man or robot. Sometimes he can look a bit like TikTok, but sometimes it's a bit tricky to get him looking right. But yeah, some characters I do take seriously how they should look. And I do think it's important to look at other things besides the MGM movie when you want to come up with a look for the characters. Because sometimes the best inspiration for your own Oz can come from looking at something that's not Oz, but just as good. Like some other fantasy or The Secret of Nim. I mean, that's given me some ideas of how I would do the Oz, Wizard of Oz movie, or... Do I make sense? Yeah. yeah. I've I've noticed that you're very much a more visual person, so you know. And you know, that's that's how you do it. So mm. rock and roll. I mean I, I would like to do more writings of balls, and I hope I do get to do that. But I uh, I am very visual. Because I think that's what attracts the eye. It that's what really can catch your interest. I mean, if you're looking through a book and there aren't any pictures, you have a chance of not reading it. What are your favorite types of Oz books? I mean, like, aside from the original Elfling Bond books, do you like foreign editions? Do you prefer um, illustrated editions of The Wizard of Oz, graphic novels, or new books or new comics of Oz at all? Like, what, what's your, um, what kind of Oz books do you go for? Well, to be honest, you know, I really prefer to just have the original 
versions as they originally appeared because that's really because you know, I kind of see that as like the origins of the characters. These were the first things that people saw and that inspired how they perceived the characters and everything. But you know, I I'm not really much of a book collector when it comes to different editions. You know, I if a new adaptation comes out and I think it's for some reason interesting, especially if it's a comic, because I I do enjoy different comic book versions of Oz. You know, I will check those out. You know, I'm not going to say I check out everyone because there was recently this Xenoscope series based on Oz that I tired of pretty quickly, and then recently I saw another fan who was stuck in longer was like, oh my gosh, I hope they're done now. But yeah, I tr- just try to go for a bit more for the original editions. I think you are definitely more of a collector who likes to see how the characters have been portrayed differently, because I think it really fits more in your own visual style, whereas I have these characters locked in and try to focus more on how to write the characters more than how to view them. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I do like to see different editions of the books, whether it's in, you know, a new illustrator or a comic. But sometimes there would be a new Oz book entirely that I really do like. Um, Yeah, I have them now and then. Sometimes I even have magazines that are tie-ins to the movies that were released, like The Wiz magazines. Return to Wars. Hmm. I don't really actually collect any MGM-related stuff. I mean, I do have the Illustrated Companion, the making of the movie, and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I mean, I do like MGM. But there actually was a time where I was really fed up with MGM, where I would look up, like, Dorothy, and there would be all these Judy Garland costumes and all that. But now, after Wicked, I don't find that so bad. But, um... Uh... Hmm. Well, that's... I do like new versions now and then. Uh... But, um... A good place to collect Oz stuff is the Oz conventions. You know, whether it's the Munchkin, the Oz Travaganza, or, as we are most familiar with the winky convention yeah so mm -hmm. i attended my first one in 2011 which was for the sea fairies and i visited the following two years for the sky island and my first oz convention the patchwork gullabors and i was unable to attend 2014 for tiktok but i did last year in 2015 for Return to Wars and the Scarecrow of Oz, so that was so good. Um, so, like, do you think you'll be visiting this year? It's had a change of venues. In yes. Name and location. Yes, we're talking about the podcast actually having a presence there. Uh, we're, the podcast is going to actually have a presence this year. We're talking about... Mm, that's good. But um, specifics are going to be detailed later. So keep an eye on either the podcast or the Royal Blog of Oz. Definitely Royal Blog. I can't say for sure that I'll be attending this year's. This year's 
Oz thing is Rinkitinkin Oz, and that's actually the one Elfinkbaum Oz book I'm not really fond of. I mean, you know the old saying, don't judge a book by its cover, but sometimes the book's cover can be a good uh, hint of what the actual book is like, so I didn't quite like the cover, so the first time I read the book I didn't really like it, because Oz doesn't come until the last four chapters, like a bit of a cheat, because Elfinkbaum did not print the story originally in 1905 as King Ringetink, so he needed an Oz book for 1916, and he just had to revise the book to change the ending, so that instead of the characters fixing the adventure themselves, Dorothy and the Wizard come in and take over. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on an essay right now about that, but, you know, uh, but um, you'll get to see it later, I, I hope. So true, I may not be able to attend the Oz convention this year, or I might read the book again. Actually, I think that the Disney film Return to Wars has a few elements from Rinkitink book. I mean, there's the Kingdom of Pingari that's actually in ruins, and the Return to, and the Emerald City is in ruins, and there's an illustration in the book where uh, Prince Inga is in the underground kingdom, and as he's walking through the caves, the rocky walls have like gnome faces in them, so that could be just a John Neal illustration that's not present in the text. But the gnomes in Return to Wars are rock fairies that move in the rocks, so I think there's a little bit of um, influence of Ringatink in Return to Wars. Okay. So you might find a different way to appreciate it on your own. Mm-hmm. All right. But I do plan on illustrate on making one or two pictures for the program book for the OzCon this year, sort of like um, poster or, you know, a bit of art for the program book. Might want to get on that soon. Is there, like, a due date for articles or stories or that sort of thing? Yes, indeed. It is May 20th. Okay, so I've still got time. Good. I think I'll ask this you a question about how you draw Oz characters, mm-hmm. and we can, if you want, you can flip it over and ask me about how I write Oz stories. <laughs> um, okay, so you mentioned it. now in Way of a Lion, you got to illustrate a character that's been scarcely seen, Lurling the Fairy Queen, who I I always picture more as uh, like the goddess of Oz. But, you know, one who was not active in it does not demand that people worship her or anything. She's just she's just the one who made it magic, and then she went on her merry way. There's other stories that have her come back, can you know? A lot of the stories are actually really good, so... So when you say... So, I mean, I'll answer that in a moment, but when you say you imagined Queen Lurlin as, like, the goddess of Oz... Do you mean without the wings? Because I gave her wings. Well, I mean, as in the sense of the story, um, how she is the uh, the one who... She didn't exactly create Oz so much as she made it magical. 
Mm-hmm. She was one who made Oz what it is rather than actually bring it into actual existence. Okay. So, in that way, she's a goddess, but... So I'm talking more about a character rather than visual. Although, how do I... So you want to know how I come to illustrate well, the Oz characters? Original characters, yes. And then at the end of Way of a Lion, you have this beautiful picture of where it wasn't in my text and um it's of the cowardly lion about to uh, the uh, moment before he decides to spring out and surprise dorothy and her friends you see him poking out from the bushes and there's dorothy he the scarecrow the tin man and toto walking down the yellow book road through the forest and i love that picture so much thank you I, i hope to do a bigger version of that and you know, um, and then of course, you know that actually, when we decided to publish that as a picture book, I actually took the matching bit of text from Bob's original book and put it alongside that picture to kind of point people towards this was leading to the lion story in this book. So, but yeah, um, so you know, you had one case where you illustrate a character who there's no real rules for drawing. And then you drew the four, three, well, you drew the lion all throughout the story, but he's a lion, so what are you really going to do? His accompanying four, you could say. Yeah, you drew the four biggest Oz characters in the same book. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how did you really come across one doing a character who's really seen and two doing characters who are seen all the time? Well... I must say that in the beginning, I wasn't always consistent. Um, When I was drawing the Oz characters at a young age, I was either... I was very influential, very easily influenced. I would copy John Neal, uh, copy Denslow. I never really copied MGM, though, or Judy Garland, but um, sometimes I would even mix the two. Like, I would do... John Neal's Dorothy with Denslow's hair. Sometimes I even did Denslow's Dorothy with Judy Garland's feet. But eventually, when I was, you know, doing up my script and um, wanting to make it into a movie, you do come up with conceptual designs of how you want your movie to look. So eventually I came up with more of a more cinematic way of viewing the characters, a more lifelike way. But I also owe some of that to you because you were more familiar with like little House on the Prairie books and the farm element, the pioneer aspect of Dorothy and her farm life before the tornado. So Mm -hmm. you helped me to realize that Dorothy is not just on a Kansas farm. She lives on a Kansas farm. There's a history to that. So you need to have a certain authenticity to that. And that's what I did. I didn't really do heavy research, but I looked around and tried to make my illustrations a bit more lifelike, a bit more historically accurate. And... I took your advice about, you know, the 1800s, the 1900s sort of look. And, yeah, like, 
um, like I said, I take Dorothy seriously. Like, I don't see Dorothy as a very beautiful girl. She's pretty, yes, because I take what Langrida says in Osmo Vos seriously, where she says, not entirely beautiful, but you have a certain prettiness different from my other heads. So Dorothy's not beautiful, but she's still pretty, a little cute. So there's that sort of look, but she has, you know, these gingham gowns that, thank you, Dreamer of Oz TV movie, you've helped that. That was an, also, that was another movie that I saw when it was on TV. I can still remember the TV movie trailer a bit. The Elephant Bomb TV movie, Dreamer of Oz, helped shape that influence too. Um, so it's evolved, I can say. My depiction of the Oz characters has evolved over the years from being one or the other to being a mix of them all. So, And it's fun to do the scarecrow because when you realize that he's not a human, you can like do his arms and legs in a complete curve, in a complete swirl. You can really, in a wall, 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 like if you do your arms, you've got like this jagged triangle, but with the scarecrow, you can't, you're not stuck. You can actually turn his arms over. So when it comes to depicting the characters, it's more of a cinematic, authentic, and... Um, more lifelike portrayal of the characters. So I have you to thank for that. The different illustrations, particularly Charles Santori, Denslow, Neil, a bit of Eric Shanoa, and so many others. So I take many elements. Now I'll ask you, is there a particular way you draw the characters or... Is there a particular way you write your characters? Well, I'm definitely more of a writer. When I, when I try to draw the characters, they wind up being based very much on uh, Neil slash Shannon slash Dick Martin slash whatever. <laughs> Those general designs. Um, but yeah, when I write the characters, you know, there's a difference when you have new characters and then when you're dealing with established characters, especially when they're very beloved characters, like, you know, mm. you're allowed a little bit of freedom when you're writing uh, the magical Monica Mo and his and Truella that you don't get from writing Ozma and the Wizard. Because people know Ozma and the Wizard inside and out, whereas the Monarch and Truella have not really appeared much for over 100 years. So people are mm -hmm. a little more open to seeing how those characters have come about. So you're yeah. allowed a little bit more of a leeway with those characters. When you have a new character, you know, you, you have to... You are given a lot of freedom, but on the other hand, they have to have, when they interact with the older characters that have already been established, they have to have a chemistry where, you know, did that, you, know, you can't just have them be like, oh, someone says this to that person. You know, for example, in Outsiders, I have Lola the Zoop. Lola the Zoop. Ah, that just sounds funny. 
and that was why I named her Loa. <laughs> Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you can introduce old characters in a new way. I mean, look at the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a new movie, but they're based on old characters. So you have the liberty of doing your own thing. So long as you don't upset the fans too much, you are devoted followers. Um, but new characters, you know, they have to have chemistry with the older characters and you have to believe that they would be part of, of that world. You know, you can't have a, you know, you know, it would be the greatest crossover ever, but you can't suddenly just have Luna Lovegood appear in Oz and have her talk to people the way she talked to Harry Potter. Mm. She would be more suited in, like, Wonderland or the Looking Glass land. That's really more of her thing, because she has that Alice-like quality, but Oz is a bit more straight. It's not that strange. Yeah. Wonderland, you know, there's no, uh, there are but aren't rules there, you could say, because the way I've always viewed Wonderland is that this is Alice's dream. Where yes. she's dreamed up these very detailed characters. Queer and detailed. Queer. <laughs> By queer, I mean peculiar and strange, not the other sense of queer. Well, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that sense. <laughs> no, no. Then. Uh, it's a certain standard of characters, of putting characters. In Oz. Yeah. For example, recently, you know, um, a friend and I have been developing a new child character to appear in my next Oz book, which I haven't quite mentioned to you yet. Uh, to you yet. Mm. And Although there was another Oz project you are working on, and you have talked to me about it. And, and we do look forward to that one someday. Well, it's... Well, we did... Uh, well, my next Oz book, the follow-up to Outsiders, um, I assigned it a child character, and then, you know, we developed this character as a completely different thing, and then he was like, I want this character to go to Oz, and I was like, you know, why not? <laughs> so, um, well, see how that turns out? We've already done some stories where he's met a lot of Oz characters, so... No, this, these aren't things that are going to be published, but more like testing things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there will be an interesting new character with um, a mysterious past that I'm not decided if it will be re- revealed in an Oz book, whether or not what his past is. But, you know, maybe if you read some of my other stories I'm planning on doing that don't take place in Oz, maybe you can find out from there. You know, characters, you know, certain eyes characters approach certain people a different way. Um, I think Dorothy, you know, she's very friendly. Mm-hmm. So if she sees someone and doesn't think they're in immediate danger, she would approach them in a very friendly manner. But if yeah. they're unusual, she would be a little cautious, at least. You know, she, uh, if she went, like, you know, when they meet the scooters, she's not like, oh, look, it's a new... Who, 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 who person I haven't met yet? I mean, she's well brought up, shall we say. 
well brought up, you know, with manners and all that. Yeah, there are occasionally people I've come across in the Oz community online who, after interacting a bit, I tend to avoid. I decide not to have any more interactions with these people. Yeah. And I find it um, sad when we do because that means we've come to an impasse. We've decided we can't reconcile things. It'd be better just to drop it and go. And rather embarrassingly, one of them uh, kind of came to person at the last Winky, well, at the last OzCon. And um, I kind of just brushed it out when he mentioned that we'd had disagreements in the past, but seemed to be okay with it. I was just tolerating you, dude. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah. It it can get difficult, and you don't want to be unfriendly with people. Because, I'll just put it simply, it's easier to be friendly than to be unfriendly. Mm-hmm. Because when you're friendly, you can just take a uniform approach to people. When you're being unfriendly, well, that's a bit more work. Yeah. <laughs> Some projects like future Oz projects I look forward to getting released someday are the uh, yes Clayton Spinney and Sean Gates somewhat independent adaptation of Elfing Bomb's Wonderful Wizard of Oz movie where they do all these effects themselves like they have a little girl for Dorothy they have a puppet for the scarecrow and all these miniatures and locations for Oz and Kansas. So that's a project I'm really looking forward to getting released someday in the cinema or film festivals or hopefully DVD and Blu-ray someday. And um, a graphic novel that is a sequel to Elfenbaum's Wizard of Oz and the Alice books. Um, it, and it's called The Red Queen of Oz by Brian Steele. He's on Facebook, and his project is on Facebook, so I look forward to that project uh, coming someday. I think I'm more trying to get my next Oz book written. And, you know, I'm more to look forward when that's done, because I've decided to make this one wrapping up a lot, to wrap a lot of story ideas I've had into this one book, so... I don't have these story ideas running around anymore, so when I get an idea, it's something fresh. So if I write another Osbrook after this, there'll be a fresh, brand new idea that hasn't been stewing around for a long time. I mean, are you also looking forward to that wonderful Wizard of Oz film? I, of course, am. Ooh, Mm. and... Yeah, there's several things I would like to see happen that haven't yet, but, you know... But, and, you know, I've gotten to a point where sometimes Oz feels a bit like work. (laughs) So, um, that's kind of unfortunate because it's supposed to be something I enjoy. And then, um, but, you know, sometimes sometimes that can force you to try new things, though. Like, um, maybe someday I'll lead up a convention or something. (laughs) 
Okay. Anything else we want to discuss, Sam? I do. I must say, though, that you know I love Return to Wars. Mm -hmm. I saw that at, at a young age. And I think it's another piece of work that has very influenced my work. You know, like I've been fascinated with the idea of a palace in ruins, saving the kingdom, and and coincidentally, uh, freeing the true heir or ruler of the kingdom at the end of the adventure. So I just like that sort of element. I mean, it was done nicely well in the film, so I like it here, and it's hard to not be influenced by Oz. Yeah. By that particular adaptation. And I'm glad to have finally finished the comic adaptation like the that I started back in 2009. I originally did it for its 2010 anniversary, and I just redrew, re-inked, redid it all for Deviant Art on for this year, for the past year. And you can look it up on Deviant Art. It's in black and white. It has some color, but if you saw the photo bucket, photo bucket version, you would see it's much better. Still a bit rough, but it's still better. I mean, I would like this to be real comic with better art, but since I don't work with Disney at the moment, um, a fan work will be just as good. You know, some and occasionally people come up to me, and I come across people online. They're like, "Oh my gosh, I love your art stuff," Ugh. and I'm like, "Okay, wow, thanks. It's a small world after all." <laughs> okay. You, I, as you said, I am an Oz collector, and I don't usually part with my things, but. There are very few, there are actually a few times I actually have given away an Oz related item, like a book. Um, at one time I did have Roger S. Baum's The Oz Odyssey book. I read that. It was a nice story, but I was actually happier to give it away to a friend who wanted it. I did receive the Tales Told from Oz book. You know, a little book from by Gregory Maguire that I got at a previous Oz convention. I was also glad to give that away. I can't remember how or who, but I did. So there are very few times I'll actually have an Oz thing and be glad to get rid of it. Mm. Which mm. just goes to show you have to be careful with what you get in the first place. Yeah. Or you know, you might not you might not enjoy it, but you can pass it on to someone else who will. Mm. But I must say that the only only thing I do have of Wicked is a program that somebody gave to me. So I don't I can't stand the books. I'm not really into the musical, but the program does have some nice pictures. So I'll give it that. <laughs> All right. So I hope that you've enjoyed listening to us on this podcast. I mean, we could go more into talking about our Oz collections, 
but I think that would be better conveyed through photos on our Facebook pages than listening to us talk about what we have. Yeah, or the Royal Blog of Oz. Mm-hmm. Well, until next time, when hopefully, hopefully our friend will be ready to discuss another Oz movie with us. Mm-hmm. Where this has been Jared. And Sam. See you. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. a very